What's up, Hayden? Can you hear me? Yep. Welcome back to the Minion Podcast. This is episode six, and today I have TJ Gorsinger, site manager, as of a few weeks ago. I think it's been a few weeks, right? It's been a couple months, actually. It's been a fast couple months, but I think that happened back in February, if I remember right. It, yeah, it doesn't seem. It doesn't seem like. Just gone by really fast, like the whole change. We've basically been rebuilding because we've lost a couple um, of our major people. You know, we had uh, we had a couple of our regular writers that did uh, did kind of take off, step away. But uh, you know, a couple of them are still around in a reduced capacity. We've added, I think, four. Uh, I think we've added four weekly contributors and another handful of uh, of uh, regular site contributors as well. So we've got a great team in place. I'm excited to see what we bring uh, this year. We've got some great plans this week for opening day as well. Yeah, and I wanted to do this episode because Thursday is opening day, and I felt like as part of our opening day preview content, we should do a podcast. So, I mean, it just makes sense. It's that time of year. We got to get uh, got to get all the coverage all the time. Yeah, and I, I've been so busy recently that it's been really hard to get an episode in. So I appreciate you taking some time out of your evening to guest on this episode. No worries. I'm happy to be here. It's been a little while. Yeah, and the last time we uh, recorded, it was really hard because we had a lot of issues. But in that, yeah. episode, in that episode since, there have been no issues like we had whatsoever, so I'm optimistic that that won't happen again. Well, fingers crossed. Let's hope I'm not the jinx here. Yeah, so let's get right into it. Um. So... Like I said, opening day on Thursday. Uh, what do you think we can expect from this season as a whole? We've talked about it a lot just with the various guests that I've had. But, like, where do you see – do you have any predictions that you think will end up happening at some point during the season or – Baseball has a way of making all of our predictions look really, really foolish, but I'll go ahead and go on record with a few of them. So I definitely think this I definitely think this is an above 500 team with a couple of good breaks. They could easily contend for uh, for a division title. Cleveland's had some injury woes on top of uh, really getting a little worse this offseason. Um, so if Minnesota comes out hot, they could build up a big lead and uh, we could see some. We could see them make it interesting for the race again. I don't think they're a World Series threat this season. I think the idea is that this season is kind of building, letting some of these guys uh, get some experience as they come into their prime, and then in the next couple seasons, I think we'll start to see some big free agent moves, maybe some big blockbuster trades as the uh, as the front office kind of goes into a uh, uh, win now sort of mode. Yeah, actually, uh, one of the things we've inst- instituted. It at Twinkie Town recently is um, the community discussion, and uh, Tony Jarvie has one of our 
wonderful contributors has been running that. And one and the first question that she posed was, would you rather have the Twins win one World Series or be competitive for a really long time? And I think I would rather have them be competitive for a really long time. When we asked that question, it almost felt like it split a little bit on age lines. Um, so those of us who are old enough to have some memory, and I'm barely in that category, but to have some memory of a World Series, uh, mostly we're in that same camp as you, um, Hayden, where you know, we were okay with maybe not winning the World Series, but having a long run of relevance. Um, it seemed like a lot of the younger folks, um, even though you're bucking this trend here, but a lot of the younger folks said, no, we, we want to see that win it all. And then, you know, if we don't, if we're irrelevant for the next 10 years, who cares? Um, well, my thinking is that, so for the first, like, several years of my life the twins were relevant but never quite good enough to uh win a world series oh you're making me feel old that was when i was in middle school high school even in college a little bit but the uh the garden higher twins were relevant the piranhas and everything yeah and i just i always remember those like the this is twins territory commercials where they were like in a tank and then it was like the piranhas or something like that as a side note, we need to go back to something that isn't this is how we baseball for a uh, for a slogan. That is just terrible. It was that was like um I included that in my top ten dumbest twins things of two thousand eighteen uh post. That was uh that, that was definitely up there on that list. There was some uh, some ridiculous things that happened, but that was definitely one of the uh one of the less uh, memorable moments. I remember putting in that paragraph about this is how we baseball. Why, why stop there? Why not ask why do we baseball? How, why stop at how this is how we baseball? Why, when, what is? I mean, some of the twins are asking how do we baseball? Yeah, and the. Last year, they were definitely asking that at some points. Um, that was a rough season. But it really wasn't that bad. Like, they finished 78 and 84, I believe. Like, that's not an awful record, but it was just kind of a really difficult year. It was one of those seasons where a lot of things went wrong. If everything had gone right with Byron Buxton, with Miguel Sano, you could have really seen at least that record flip, if not be even better. Yeah, and, I, and so a couple weeks ago, you definitely remember this. Uh, I did a post where I ran through a bunch of like projection um, analysis and added up all the win total projections from a bunch of different systems and got the Twins are supposedly going to finish 84 and 78 if all of these systems are to be believed. And... I would be okay with that. I that's that would be a they would probably be in contention for the second wild card. I would imagine. I'd say that first wild card spot is probably going to either the, either the uh, Red Sox or the Yankees barring something insane and crazy happening. But that second spot is really wide open. 
I almost wonder though if uh, if the AL Central is going to be more winnable than the second wild card. The AL West has a couple good teams. The uh, AL East has two or three good teams. So you could definitely see uh, definitely see uh, um, the AL Central be more winnable. I think. Um. Yeah, and like. Correct me if I'm wrong, but last year Cleveland uh, finished with a worse record than the Yankees, who were the first wild card. I think that's correct, but I can't even uh, – I couldn't even remember right now. I'd have to look it up myself, and I'm not sitting in front of the computer, so I couldn't tell you. Um, yeah, so – it was kind of a down year for Cleveland, but they uh, still managed to win this central because everyone else was just awful. It's uh, it's going to be that that same kind of thing where the division is uh, very very beatable. My uh, my personal dark horse is the White Sox, and White Sox fans think I'm crazy for this, but I think they could at least make some noise. Um, Kansas City is going to be terrible. Detroit is still a year or two away from being relevant, so. You could see uh, you could see a lot of wins come out of the AL Central just by playing the divisional opponents. Um, when I talked to uh, Brett Ballantini on my AL Central preview episode, he said uh, that this is going to be a really rough year for the White Sox. Uh, but you seem to not agree. You seem to disagree. So it would take a lot of things breaking right for them. It's definitely not going to be an easy road for them, but at the same time, they've got some uh, they've got some good prospects coming up. They could, like I said, make a little noise, maybe be a five hundred team just as easily as they could be absolutely terrible again. Yeah, and I think they would take just because they've been absolutely terrible for a couple of years now. Um, I think they would take five hundred over another year like they had. You know, it's very rare for a team to go worst to first. Obviously, uh, obviously, we know it can be done. The Twins have done it. Um, but it's much more common, I think, for that, for a team to build their way into a championship window where maybe they have a couple of uh, couple of mediocre years in there in between being bad and being good. I believe the Red Sox went worst to, like, they won the World Series after being the worst uh, in 2013. Or am I, am I getting that team wrong? I honestly couldn't tell you. I wish I, uh, I wish I knew I could go look it up, I suppose. But again, I'm not in front of the, uh, not in front of the old Google machine. I mean, I have my phone so I can look it up right now, but, um, it's, it's just like, it's rare, but it has happened. And I don't really expect the White Sox to do it, to do it, but I don't think anyone in the uh, AL Central has the ammunition to do it going against the uh, Twins' offense as often as they'll have to and going against uh, Cleveland's pitching. Um, obviously, they didn't get a chance to uh, to trade Kluber this offseason despite their best efforts, um, and they've still got Bauer. And honestly, they've got probably the best starting five pitchers in baseball right now. Okay. In 2012, the Red Sox finished 69 and 93, which was worse than the AL East. In 2013, they won the World Series. There we go. Google has all the answers. Um, yes, it is a godsend. 
Uh, don't I don't imagine you even remember life without Google. I don't think I do because Google Google came about in like the nineties. I think it was right around the uh, right around the turn of the century when they came out. So no, I don't remember life without Google, and my par- and my parents will joke with me and say, "Well, like I had to cite my sources for a paper recently," and they're like, "Back in our day, we, you actually had to like go to the library and go to, oh, open up a bunch of books and." Do back. it by hand, and now you can just type it in, and then it'll do it for you. Back when you had an actual card catalog in the old Dewey Decimal System. Uh, we actually recently um, had a librarian come into one of my classes and tell us about like how the library works, and uh, it was he did bring up the Dewey Decimal System, but he said that they don't really use that anymore because the, it's just a very different. And the uh, the computers have essentially rendered it uh, rendered it useless anymore. Yeah, it's there's a lot of things that are just kind of like obsolete now that like the internet is just taking everything over. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I would say it's helpful for a lot of people. But this is a tangent. We should probably get back to. Uh, baseball that's probably a good idea i can talk about back in my day and yell at clouds for for hours but nobody wants to listen to me do that yeah um and the so anyway i don't think that the white Sox. i mean the tigers are going to be they're kind of gonna have a similar season i think as last season where they're not quite there, they might have a hot start like they did last year. And then eventually we'll bottom out probably. And then the Royals and the White Sox are, I would guess not going to have the greatest of years. No, very good. It'll be a two team race. I, I really think you've got, uh, Kind of got the nail hit on the head there. It's down to uh, to if Cleveland still has the firepower, even in a year where their uh, uh, their bullpen is down, it's depleted, and a year where they have basically nothing in the outfield, um, or if the uh, if the Twins can put something together and make a little run at them. Um, and it would be really nice uh, if they did make a little run at them because I'm kind of sick of them just having the divi- the division wrapped up by July the problem the problem with anyone having a division wrapped up by July is you have a month and a half of really boring baseball at least uh, at least last year we had uh, Williams Astudio um, I think I'm saying that right I don't even know but uh, at least we had La Tortuga um, the turtle to uh, to give us some highlights there in uh, September and uh, He'll be breaking camp with the major league club this year. Speaking of which, he uh, lost his helmet rounding third. Shades of Eduardo Nunez yesterday. Oh, was that the uh, was that the same uh, the same play where he went first to uh, first to home on a I think it was a double. Yes. 
Oh man, I love watching that guy run. Just uh he's just so happy. We talked about this like it seems like we always come back to Williams Astadio in our conversations because last time we started out talking about the Nelson Cruz signing and then the entire rest of the episode was just Williams Astadio. Well, you know me, I can always derail this into Kyle Gibson territory. Um <laughs> Kyle Gibson's magical adventure. I just that is still yeah. far and away the greatest thing I have ever read on Twinkie Town ever. Um, we'll have to make sure Tony listens to this episode because uh, she'll be very happy to hear that. Oh, that's uh, that is my absolute favorite game recap of all time, and I'm hoping we get more of that this season because we're going to have – it's going to be a fun team. They might not win the division. They might not even win a lot of games, but you can't say it won't be a fun team to watch. So I'm going to be, like, an alternate for recaps this season. So I'm thinking of, like, trying to put my own fun spin on it as well, but I don't know how good – how good I'll be at doing that. It's actually a lot harder than it looks. Um, last year, I got sick of uh, watching Lance Lynn get uh, get absolutely shellacked, and I wrote the uh, – the uh, it was a high fantasy sort of uh, telling of the battle and uh, Lance Lynn being the field general just getting destroyed. It was uh, it was a interesting recap. It took me a couple hours total to put it together, and I was putting it together during the game, writing it as it went. It was a uh, very, uh, very different sort of a uh, sort of a recap. Um, I did put together a game thread for one of the uh, spring training games, and I the deck was my mayor's cup runneth over because it was uh, the Red Sox and the Twins. Nice. That was. I was very proud of that, um, but I'm not sure. It's kind of hard to think of something funny to do with a game recap or a game thread because it's just kind of like a – and that is our niche. Uh, that, where That really is where you can let your personality shine a little bit and where some of the, uh, some of the contributors can really just show off something a little bit different. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this season because it's a the first season that I've actually had like I've actually been on the staff and b um we have a lot of people who are new and I think it's going to be just a really fun time on the site. Hey Hayden, hang on a second. I got to jump off for one second. I'll be right back. All right. Yeah, I can edit that out too. Awesome, um, awesome. Yeah, sorry the uh, the day the day job calls occasionally, and uh, I can't dodge that responsibility, unfortunately. No worries. Um, yeah, so I'm just glad to have baseball back, like for real, not spring training. It's um, it's almost unreal. I always love uh, opening day because to me that's like the first the first real day of spring it kind of tells you that everything's everything's new everything's ready to go and we're getting into the best part of the year um the the thing is like i remember 
when I was in like elementary school, middle school, I mean, I'm taking classes at a community college now, so it's different, but I would get out of school on opening day at like exactly three o'clock. So I would come home and the game started at three o'clock. So I would record the beginning of it because I didn't want to miss any of it. Um, Cause you don't want to miss opening day. And, uh, It's just, it became a tradition to, like, get home from school and then immediately watch the game. Opening Um, day falls on my day off this year, so I'm going to find me a nice patio, find me a nice beer to drink, and uh, sit back and watch the game. That's for sure. Um, I I actually have school that day, so um, I'll have to maybe record it, or I think I'll be able to actually get home before the game starts, because... I'm done around 2.30, which is nice. Uh, I actually have one of my friends on Twitter who is also a Twins fan is actually getting tickets to the game because she doesn't have to work that day, and I'm kind of jealous. Nice. I know uh, I know we're going to have uh, some folks from Twinkie Town over at the uh... – at the opening day game, I think uh, we're gonna have some live, uh, some live streaming on the Twitter account or uh, live, live tweeting. I guess is what they call it these days. Man, I'm an old man, um, but we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have some people uh, actually giving us some updates during the game. Maybe get us some pictures of uh, of where they're sitting. We might even have uh, have some action in the game thread. Get some people excited. Uh, and speaking of getting excited. Uh, your email to the staff really got me excited because um, it was all caps a lot of it and you do a really good job with like the promotional stuff that's and I understand a, that's my I understand that that's your job I'm uh so my day job is a lot of sales and a lot of management. So there's, there's a lot of element of rallying up the troops and, uh, you know, sending out those kind of uh, motivational messages. Yeah. And I, like, I'm, I'm hoping to go into communications, uh, which is probably going to be a little bit of promotional stuff um, as well. So just like getting people excited and uh, maybe I'm really interested in broadcasting too, which is probably going to be like if I do if I'm a sports broadcaster, I need to be excited and because like a lot of times the broadcaster kind of adds to the excitement or takes away from the excitement of a game, and that's a big responsibility. That's uh, there's a uh, commercial out right now. Um, one of those um insurance commercials or bank commercials. I don't know, but the uh, the why would you accept just okay commercials with a uh, yes, with a just I, okay yeah, broadcast. No, it's AT AT and T for uh, um, yeah, that's AT and T uh for March Madness, and they have a guy um named Phil or the character is named Phil and he's like really bad at announcing. And that's the whole idea of the, like this 
this is really boring. Why would you, if this is okay, if this is just okay, why would you want to listen to this? Uh, broadcaster named Phil, that reminds me of uh, Bill Murray's character in Groundhog Day, which I'm sure is before your time, but that's a great movie. I'm familiar with Groundhog Day, yeah. Like the, the, um, living the same day over and over and over again. More or less, that's the, uh, that was the idea, absolutely. Um, they actually made a horror movie recently around that, around a similar concept. And this is another tangent, but. Um, basically like this woman would get killed and then she would wake up and relive the same day over and over and over again that's a really interesting concept Um, I I don't think I've seen that one yet no and they're making a sequel to it too Um, I haven't seen it but I know what it's about but yeah so like something that I've been I think something that I've been thinking about a lot is like what what do I want to do and I'm kind of have my heart set on broadcasting almost I think I'd be a really good writer but like I just like talking about sports and I think it would be fun to like do it for a living you know what I mean absolutely um and you know there's always opportunities uh in in media in general as as things kind of evolve a little bit um it's going to kind of open it up for people who are already uh already kind of understand the idea of podcasts and uh the internet and kind of the digital natives yeah and the thing is people a lot of people who are they're looking for people who know these things already because they don't. Um, if that makes sense. Absolutely. The, a lot of the people who are hiring are older and they just don't get a lot of this stuff. And so it would be helpful to have people who know what they're talking about. Absolutely. People who, uh, again, kind of, the term they use, and I keep going back to, is the digital native. You know, somebody that just innately understands the concepts without needing a lot of uh, explaining. It's like the. Have you have you ever seen any of the Batman movies? Oh, it's been a day or two. Like, like the, have you ever you've heard of Bane? Oh, of course. You merely adopted the internet. I was born in it. Um, <laughs> yeah so it it's kind of interesting just thinking about how like baseball coverage of baseball for example has been changing a lot like with the stack cast and stuff and it's just like the analytics and the money ball stuff has just changed the game and i feel like it's going to go further you know, I saw an interesting point earlier that uh, the whole Moneyball idea has actually changed the way fans think about the game. And it's actually made fans more sympathetic to the cause of the owners and the idea of trying to win on the cheap um, versus being on the player's side. And with all of the labor issues and the slow free agent markets, that's uh, 
that's something very uh, interesting to think about as we head into, you know, God forbid, but a potential strike in the next couple of years or definitely some major changes to the uh, collective bargaining agreement in baseball. Gosh, I hope there's not a lockout because that would really be a bummer. That would not be ideal. The We already have to wait super long for baseball season to start anyway. Uh, why make us wait longer? Well, and the thing, this is, uh, again, this is me being an old man yelling at clouds, but the 1994 strike um, actually cost baseball a lot of fans, and it took a long time for them to really – rebuild that and the thing that brought it back of course was the uh uh home run races of the late 90s mark mcguire sammy sosa and then a little later barry bonds that was the steroid era but i think a lot those players were very good even without steroids so i feel like you can't really put an asterisk much of an asterisk on it at all Boy, it's uh, I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but I was 10 years old in 1998, the first year of that major home run race, um, McGuire and Sosa. And I grew up uh, in Illinois, so everyone I knew was either a Cubs fan or a Cards fan. Um, we had a few Sox fans around, but who cares, um, especially for the point of, uh, point of this story. But uh, anyway, it's the level of excitement people had for baseball when all that was going on is something that is almost, it's almost hard to describe and baseball has kind of lost over the last 20 ish years. Um, I actually read because recently I've actually gotten really into soccer and uh, I recently read that, or I read this morning that as of a few years ago, this was, this has probably changed since then. Among, like, teenagers, they pulled a bunch of teenagers. Major League Soccer, the top division United States soccer league, uh, has actually caught Major League Baseball in popularity among teenagers. I would believe it. Baseball's got some real issues with uh, um, the prices of the game and access to the game in general. If you wanted to go watch it live, it's got some real issues with uh, um blackouts and trying to watch it on tv but even more than that baseball's been losing at the youth level for years i mean the term you know the term is soccer mom it's not baseball mom um for a reason and because baseball's been losing at that level people don't have that connection to the game where they grew up playing it they're not nearly as invested in watching games and something that i think is really interesting though is that just back to that major league soccer example they make it a lot easier to watch every game because they have a partnership with ESPN plus and every game that isn't nationally televised is on that streaming service. And I think major and major league baseball does have some games on ESPN plus, but not every game. So I mean, essentially to watch, uh, if you wanted to watch baseball regularly, you're looking at a minimum of $150 investment for the season. And that's uh that's if you're out of market, you can get away with MLB TV. If you had to, you know, if you have to uh, subscribe to cable or to, uh, or to, you know, a satellite provider, and then you have to uh, go ahead and step up to whichever package it takes to get into uh, the regional sports networks, which of course is going to be one of the high tier packages. You're looking at some real money. And my family has had satellite for, I think most of my life. So I really haven't had any issues, but, 
and I'm and I guess I'm lucky in that regard. I didn't realize until I got Twitter how many people like on Twins Twitter and like MLB Twitter aren't able to watch the games because I just thought, oh yeah, everybody has satellite or cable or whatever. But I didn't think about I like it's expensive. I was like it was that was a couple of years ago. I didn't think about how difficult it is for some people and it's it makes watching baseball really hard. That is uh it's a real challenge um, that I think baseball is going to have to find a new solution for. Um, definitely some some hope there light at the end of the tunnel if uh, if they actually buy all of the Fox uh, sports networks off of Disney. Um, because if Major League Baseball owns it, they may be more flexible with the uh, with the streaming rights. That's a big if, though. I mean, they they could buy them and then still have a lot of restrictions absolutely it's just uh you know it's a changing world and uh baseball needs to catch up with the times and i've been very vocal about the opinion that rather than changing the game they need to change how the game can be accessed yeah because if you can't watch it then you aren't going to be a fan of it really pretty much that's it's in theory really simple but like when you can't watch something then why even try to pay attention to it because like I feel bad for Dodgers fans in LA because a lot of their it's like I believe their RSN has a partnership with like one specific cable provider I can't remember what it is yeah, that's that's exactly what it is, and that cable provider doesn't actually exist in the city of L.A. So you can only really watch it outside of L.A., which is kind of stupid. Um, right. I mean, I live in an area that uh, where I live here in Albuquerque, we had the uh, um, Dodgers AAA affiliate for years, um, and they ended up moving to I think I think it's Oklahoma City. Um, but when they moved, um, we ended up with the Rockies affiliate. But everyone here is still, by and large, a lot of uh, a lot of Dodger fans out here. So I mean, I see where that makes sense. We actually have a uh, we have a Dodgers affiliate on the radio and everything. But you would still think their home market of LA would be kind of a top priority. So do you follow the Dodgers at all because of this? You're like, who's your NL team? So my NL team would definitely be the Rockies. I see. I probably see you know a half a dozen or so of their AAA games a year. Um, plus, you know they have a pretty big presence out here, and I've always kind of liked them anyway. They're kind of that scrappy underdog team, a lot like the uh, Twins are in a lot of ways. And they had they cornered the market on uh, former Twins for a little while. They they had didn't hurt. Went over there, and then uh, Michael Kadire played there for a couple of years, and Kadire was always my favorite. Um, so I'm glad he's back in the organization, but that definitely didn't hurt uh, when it came to me wanting to uh, wanting to pull for the Rockies. I've been, I'm, 
I've mentioned on Tony Town, and you might have heard about this, but Michael Kadir actually was very instrumental in a campaign that my wheelchair softball team had to get a new ballpark. And he was, I've actually met him twice because of this, and he was very, very nice. And he's probably one of my favorite baseball players ever just because of how, like, his off-the-field contributions and how good of a guy he is. That's, I mean, that's fantastic. I've heard a lot of stories along those lines. My cousin actually uh, actually played for the same high school Kadire did. Um, and they had a lot of uh, had a lot of fundraisers and those kind of things that he was a part of there as well. Yeah, and a lot of the twins have had a lot of good, like good players, but also a lot of like good guys that have come through their organization. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot of guys that are still, even as uh, as retired players, are still very active in the community and very. Uh, very fun guys to just kind of keep keep up with a little bit, you know? Yeah, and it's definitely easier to keep up with people now that there's Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Phil Hughes, although he was never my favorite player with the Twins, and he probably never should have got that extension, he is one of the greatest Twitter, uh, Twitter personalities that I've come across. He'll just post random pictures of – foodies cooking and uh that kind of stuff and he's just funny on there yeah i um i also like trevor may he's actually replied to a couple of my tweets uh he's uh, he's another one that's very very active in the uh in the online circles for sure that's uh if uh baseball knew how to market their players i think trevor may would be a great example of somebody that they could really uh market and really kind of uh build a fan base around yeah, because he did that whole Fortnite thing with uh, a bunch of, like, really famous gaming personalities, and a lot of the kids are into that. Um, I have never played Fortnite, but I know that a bunch of people who have. Hey, so, now I got to jump off again real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. That? Still with me? Okay, so... Yeah, I think, I mean, MLB has tried really hard to relate to the kids, and I think it's kind of turning people off. It's almost, Uh, it's condescending to the uh, the existing fans, the way they're doing it, but it's not actually attracting new new fans either. Like, I remember that, uh, are you familiar with the rap group Migos? Not, can't say I really am. So they're this like rap trio and they're really popular. So what MOB did is for a promo for the playoffs had them like do like a commercial where they did one of their popular songs, but it was just a bunch of like baseball in the commercial. And I tweeted, man, I love this song, but it's really weird seeing it around baseball because it just seems like they're trying to pander. Mm. Yeah, I can't say I remember it, but it probably was one of those things that slid right past me since I'm so out of the loop. Yeah, and it's it's just really weird to – it's probably like 
the older fans are probably like, wait, why is rap music in a baseball promo? And then the younger fans are probably like, why why are they doing this? What's the point? They're just trying to reach people and not and it's not working. Yeah, or uh or you get somebody like me and it just it makes no impact on me because the song means nothing. It probably honestly I was probably staring at my computer or something while I uh while I had the TV on. And they actually uh use the one of the lines from the song as like the spring training uh tagline this spring. And I noticed that and I was like, they're still doing this? Huh. What's the what's the point? Why why even try to pander to the kids when you know that the kids who like this song probably don't wanna see this in a baseball promo. I couldn't tell you, man. It's just I just think that the league is really not understanding why people aren't watching. It's like you said, it's because of access and not because of, Oh, we need to make it appealing to young people. Right. There's definitely something I think that needs to, that needs to change, but you never know, I guess, uh, you know, if there's some excitement this season, if we can get some, Maybe a little bit of uh, some of the highlights now that MLB is actually loosening the restrictions on using highlights. Um, So some of those may be a little more accessible via, again, social media. If anything, anything like that might start an organic uh, little bit of uh, interest in the game. Or maybe someone will hit 60 dingers and then uh, that'll get people into it like the McGuire Sosa thing. You never know. Um, so I'm thinking that I'm going to wrap this up because typically the episodes are around 45 minutes anyway. And we're so right to do it. So it makes sense to me. So thank you for coming on, and I will have you on again definitely in the future. No worries. Let me know, buddy. It was nice talking to you again. All right, so we went on a little bit of a tangent here, but I, a couple tangents, but I did appreciate the uh, conversation as a whole. No and problem. No issues this time. No problem and no technical issues. All righty. Well, uh, I'll make sure that we get some eyeballs on the uh, on the post as soon as we get it up, and uh, hopefully people people listen in. And I'll talk to you later. All right, sounds great.